When I was a kid, I was diagnosed with a set of learning differences that led me to a specialized boarding school, and that's where I really found my confidence. I never let these diagnoses be a hindrance to my achievement, but instead, I used them as a fuel to bring the best out of myself. I realized at a very early age that I could create any reality that I wanted to create. The key is were to put in the effort and focus on learning and personal growth. My Vector experience has helped me to create financial success, and time freedom, and an opportunity to really develop others. I'm so excited for the team that we're creating in West Los Angeles. I also want to be able to help students like me to become the best versions of themselves. The people who are listening to this are those high achievers. They're the people who are capable of creating their own reality. Kuval Patel is a remarkable example of achievement, success, and impact at a young age. Despite significant learning differences, Kuval has been able to become one of the best students you'll ever encounter, both academically and in his business life. He graduated from college in three years at age 20 and has quickly developed into one of the top achieving district managers in the Cutco Vector Marketing Sales Organization. I'm grateful to be able to count Kuval as one of the finest young leaders that I have the privilege of working with, and I'm honored to be able to introduce him to you all and share his story with you today. This is the West Los Angeles District Manager and Assistant Division Manager in Southland, Kuval Patel. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories, and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I am very excited to have Kuval Patel as my guest today. Some of you may know Kuval Patel from a couple past episodes where he appeared with some other young leaders in the Western region, and also he guest-hosted the episode with Ben Cooper, Cutco's number one college student sales rep. So we're welcoming Kuval back here for his own solo episode today. And I'm fired up about this. Kuval's been in the Cutco Vector business since 2016. He grew up in Las Vegas, but he went to school at University of Arizona and started Cutco while in college at Arizona. And he branched in 2017 in Kingman, Arizona. He graduated from U of A in three years with a degree in communication and sports management. That was 2018. He became a district manager, moved to Southern California at that time because Kuval is into modeling and acting, as you're going to hear today. 
He has had great success as a district manager in the Western region, over $400,000 in sales his first full year in 2019, and then a breakthrough year in 2020, over $1.1 million in sales with over $800,000 in new business. He was appointed to become the assistant division manager in the mighty Southland division. Kuvi is just approaching his $3 million sales milestone. He gets a lot of stuff done, as you're going to find out from this conversation today. Uh, he is also the author of a book called Zero to Cash Flow. And real estate investing is a part of his long term plan, among many other things that he does. Kuvi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Excited to be here. All right. Very excited to have you as well. Tell us a little bit about your story before Cutco, Kuvi, because I want people to know a little bit about you as a youth and some of the things that have sort of driven your development. Definitely. I think that uh, my my path growing up has definitely shaped a lot of what I do today and, and the way I act. I grew up in a family, Dan, that was very bright. And I had I was diagnosed with a few learning differences, dyslexia, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, and ADHD when I was in the, the seventh grade. Uh, the school that I was at, Dan didn't let me stay. I, I guess they wouldn't accommodate me. And I felt like I couldn't stay there. My family felt like I couldn't stay there. So we looked for a boarding school and I ended up finding a school in upstate New York, just north of Olean called the Gao School. Uh, my first soccer goal ever as a varsity player, Dan, was against Olean High School. <laughs> there was probably a kid from the Cutco factory on the other team right there. Probably. Probably, Dan. We were up, uh, we were up like three to zero. And I scored the fourth goal and I celebrated my tail off. It was the first goal ever. That's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it was at uh, at school there where I really found my confidence. You know, being in sixth, seventh grade, not being anywhere close to my family, three thousand miles away, it was definitely a challenge and a change. But I found that going to the Gao School, I had the right people around me, had a great environment, and I really decided to make the most of what I could while I was there. And I really found myself working my butt off in school and realizing that I could do whatever I wanted to do. And it was there where I really developed my confidence in athletics and sports. And uh, I feel like that was a great, great period of my life. This was from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade that you were at the Gauss School? Yeah, seventh grade. It was after seventh grade. So eighth grade to 12th grade. And while I was in eighth grade there, after the first month, I, I skipped eighth and went straight into ninth grade. Okay. Got it. Got it. Wow. And... When you graduated, you graduated with honors from the school, right? Yeah, I was graduated. We didn't have it classified as the valedictorian, but I was my GPA was the number one in the class. And I was student body president there, founded a number of clubs. And yeah, I had a really great time. I would definitely send my kids to that same boarding school if they, they needed to go there. Yeah. What do you feel are, are some lessons that people could glean from the experiences you had in your early life? Yeah, I think that there's three that come to mind, Dan. The first one is I realized at a very early age that I could create whatever reality I wanted to create. Being put in a position of, of hey, you're going to a boarding school and you know you got to do well there. Uh, I was told by my, my history teacher back in, in middle school, told my parents that I have to change how I'm working or college might not be the best fit for me. My headmaster in middle school told my family that if I wasn't gifted, talented, or hardworking, that I wasn't in the right spot. And I really operated with the chip on my shoulder. Dan, for a long time in my life. And I feel like you even have that today 
because I didn't use the diagnoses of the differences and disabilities as a hindrance. I used it as a way to just elevate my game to, to prove to other people and even to myself that I had what it takes to, to be the best at whatever I was trying to accomplish. Um, so that was one, right? Create the reality. And I've always operated with a chip on my shoulder. And I think the last one uh, of the three was having the right people in your circle. I love my family and they're amazing people, but I feel like going into the Gao school really put me in a position to succeed because everybody there, I felt part of them. I felt like they were going through the same challenges with me when they were growing up as, as a lot of the students there also had the same differences that I did. And we were all going through the same thing. And the teachers there really pushed me in the right ways to help me see that I could be the, the best me possible. Wow. Really cool to hear. I, I love just how you said that you used these diagnoses not as a hindrance, but more as fuel to be able to motivate you to succeed. That's such a great perspective. I think people can take on any sort of challenge or difficult circumstance that arises in their life, for sure. So eventually you went to University of Arizona. You're in Tucson. How'd you get started with Cutco? Yeah, Cutco found me on Instagram. Uh, for those of you that know the Omni Recruiting Program, I believe in Rising Sun Division. I was one of two Omni recruits from that entire summer. Um, I applied and it was in the interview that afternoon and tra- training the next day. Wow. And so this is with Jared Timmons, right? Yep. Yep. And Jared Timmons is West Tucson office. And for my interview, I was interviewed by an assistant manager and trained also by an assistant manager. Your interview and your training were both run by an AM. It was a pump in day two, Dan. So Jared was running the main section and I was in the back room with the names list PR section run by a brand new assistant manager. You were a pump in to day two in two day training. Correct. So your training was essentially one day. About four and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? I enjoyed it. I definitely didn't know what to expect going in. And it was also monsooning in the summer in Tucson. So I walked into the office soaking wet. Jared didn't think I was supposed to be there. I don't think he thought I was showing up. <laughs> Amazing. And what were some of the, the most transformational experiences that you had during that, that first summer or first year in the business? Yeah. And my, I think it starts in the fast start. I had really no idea what I was doing. If I could summarize my training into one or two sentences, Jared handed me the manual, said, fill in these prices, read this word for it, and you'll be good. So that's pretty much what I did. And uh, I was really coachable. I've always done sports and I thought that was a big part of my life. So I always just knew to follow the directions. And in my fast started 35 demos, 100% virtually, I believe the number is 24 sales had a $10,000 fast start. And from that, I really learned to put in the time and the effort. It was the Tuesday of my fast start where I was probably only at three $3,500 in the first four or five days where I had no demos. And Jared really taught me that I needed to, to focus on the number of the process instead of the result and just book more appointments to hit my goal that I had at the $10,000 fast start. I think after the fast start going into the actual school year, I just thought this was going to be a summer job. I really had no intention of working through the school year, but I really was tied into Wes inviting me to the Leadership Academy and I was tied into to Jared and he really just turned into an older brother of mine, like a mentor figure for me, Jared did. And I loved the opportunity that I had to, to learn more than just sales skills, learn more than just how to make money in college. A lot of my friends were working in just fast food jobs, delivery drivers, bicycle delivery boys like I was before I started working at Cutco. Um, so I really just love the opportunity that I found, you know, that I actually found me, that Cutco found me on Instagram. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, working with Jared Timmons, Wes Frank, obviously uh, must have been uh, very influential on you. Both those guys are great. Yeah, they definitely were. I, I can attribute a lot of different areas of my life and the way I operate, especially in the business, to a lot of what they taught me in 2016, 2017. Yeah. So you ended up becoming a branch manager the following summer. How did that evolve? Yeah, I was not planning on going branch. I was in Olean in 2016, November. And it was after, I think it was Brie Galarza spoke to the Olean crew that year. And I went up to Wes while we were at Olean. And I said, Wes, I want to go branch. And I think that from the first couple of months, being part of the show team in Rising Sun Division and being an assistant manager in Jared's office, I think that one of the biggest lessons that I learned was that if I was able to bring confidence, even if it wasn't like legit true confidence, if I just manufacture it, I would be able to to achieve and say and do whatever I could. And that would really take me a very long way. Manufacturing confidence. Mm -hmm. How does one manifest that in reality? I think it's the combination of body language, the way that you speak, the way that you hold yourself, and obviously knowing at least a little bit of what to do as you're doing it. I think that that's really helped me in a lot of different areas, not just while I've been with Cutco. That's a cool point I think people can think about is how can you manufacture confidence in what you do? One of the things that comes to my mind on manufacturing confidence is preparation. I think that in anything that you do, if you're just are well prepared, you put yourself in a position to be able to be more confident with it. I think also, you know, you spoke earlier about the influence of having other people in your circle. And I do think that emulating other confident people is another way that we can sort of begin to manufacture that confidence. Confidence grows as we have a lot of good experiences, as we do well at things. And if you emulate other people that are succeeding, you're putting yourself in a better chance to have those successes. And if you prepare very well on top of that, you multiply your chances even further. And that's uh, what it takes, I think, to be able to grow in confidence as a young person. I definitely agree. Yeah. So tell us about your branch manager experience. And branch was was rough. Going into it, I was still not all that prepared. Before I opened, if I can remember correctly, I only ran one or two interviews using the format of interview that I was going to use as a branch. And I'd only run half of a day of training, uh, half of one day of training as an assistant manager before I was running training myself in person at this Kingman, Arizona office. The reason branch was tough and rough for me was just because of the situation that I put myself in. Uh, some last minute unorganized Kuval plans forced me to live in my office for a couple of weeks of the summer. And because of that, I was really just surrounded 24 seven by the the work that I was doing. And part of that was because the office that I was in was 15,000 square feet. So I had the the space, (laughs) (laughs) I had the space in the room, the building was going to be sold to the government and the owner couldn't lease it out to anybody unless it was like an incredibly short-term lease, which for me was branch for three months. So I got very lucky there. So I think that being surrounded by the work 24-7 without having an outlet or an escape to do to, to use as my, my time in really made the, the experience different for me. But that summer taught me definitely a lot. So you explained that the owner was had no choices. Like, was this one giant room or was there like lots of little rooms? Like, well, how was it laid out? So uh, if I remember from the way that the owner described it, the right side of the building, so facing the building, the right side was a big bullpen in the middle with a bunch of individual offices lining either side of the wall. And each of those offices was probably eight by eight or six by six. So there were decent sized offices for one person. That used to be a real estate office, a brokerage. 
And then at the back and on the left side, there was more of an L-shaped building. And that was a furniture warehouse with a garage door at the back for them to load the furniture up. So I parked my car inside that, uh, <laughs> inside that bay at night because I thought it wasn't, I thought it was illegal to live in your office. So I was like, I can't have people knowing that I'm living there. So I parked the car inside every night, bring the door back down and then just go to sleep in the back on, on the futon that I had. <laughs> that is crazy. I had a couple experiences, Kuval, as a young manager where I had a giant office and one of them was a good five or 6,000 square feet. And I can remember how we like blocked off a part of it and stuff like that because it was just way too huge, right? Yep. Um, but 15,000 square feet, that's a whole new experience right there, man. That's yeah, pretty we, funny. We didn't block anything off. We just had all these open doors uh, on, the, on the either end of the office and just the bullpen had the 12 or 20 individual chairs in the middle with my desk just in, in the middle of this bullpen area. And it was very weird, but it, we made it work. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. So tell us a little bit more about the experiences you had that summer as a branch manager. That summer taught me a lot about relationships, building teams, and really just having a passion for the people that I was with. I was going into an area that really didn't have much success with other branch offices before, or at least that I can, at least I was told or I remember. But during that summer, uh, a lot of the success in that summer came from all the work that I did. We didn't rely on the passive recruiting, the mailers or the, the web recruits. And Kingman, the web recruits were not the most, they were not the best recruits, just to be honest. So a lot of the work that I did before the summer was all through social media recruiting and, and advertising for the position. I did that through my Facebook. I was running virtual interviews using FaceTime from my college apartment before I even went out to Kingman. And while I was in Kingman for that summer, all of, if we did the math, if I did not have Facebook social media or the social media PRs from those social media recruits, our office would have done less than $10,000 in business for the summer. And of that 10, 7,000 was my personal sales. So if we didn't have the social media, or the PRs, and I did not just put in the work and the effort to create the office, we would not have been anywhere near where we, where we ended up that summer. So a lot about the, the working hard, but we're at SC2 at the end of the summer. And this guy, Jack, who had worked with our office for probably two and a half, three weeks at the time. He was working an all night shift. Uh, he did uh, repairs for 18 wheelers, drove down at, uh, I think he got off at six. Our conference started at nine. So we drove straight from work down to our conference. He was there for SC2. This was the last time I was seeing my reps in person. I was hugging them as I was, as I was heading out the door. He started to break down in my arms because this was the first time in Kingman that he'd ever been given an opportunity that wasn't just manual labor, hard fought work. And he really saw a future and an opportunity working with us. So I thought that made me, that really opened my eyes to the opportunity that managers are able to provide for individuals. But even with that, you know, there was a lot of other examples that summer that just really opened my eyes to working for people and really helping them achieve their goals too. I love that. Working for people. I think that's the essence of what a great leader does is they view their role as helping to serve the needs of their people, not serving their own needs and their own goals, but investing into others. And that that's how we actually get more of our own goals. That's how we actually get more of what we want, right? By immersing ourselves into helping the people that are on our team. I also love that you learned some really valuable things in your early experiences with Vector that came into play in 2020. I mean, starting with the fact that you did virtual demos, right? As a rep, this is before virtual demos were really 
a widespread program. I mean, we were doing it, there were people doing it, but it wasn't like it was a widespread program in the company. And you did all 35 in your fast start virtual demos. And you said 24 sales and a 10K fast start. I don't think it's any coincidence that you have now developed the top college student sales rep in the company who happens to do a large percentage of demos virtually, right? It's like you understood that program and believed in that program at an early stage. I also love that you said you did virtual interviews while you were still in Tucson, right? Before you went up to Kingman, you did some virtual interviews. So we didn't have Apex back then. So you were doing this by FaceTime. FaceTime and Skype. FaceTime and Skype. Wow. So you were beginning the seeds of sort of this innovation of 2020 that you really took to a high level during the year 2020. Do you feel those experiences enabled you to have more confidence and less anxiety going into the changes of 2020? I really think that it did. It's a different way of recruiting and and operating as a manager to 100% virtual work and working with people, having the body language and the hand motions and the movements when you're actually speaking with somebody through FaceTime, Skype, or Zoom. That's just different than in person. So I thought that it did give me a great, I I don't want to say advantage, but it definitely helped me understand and navigate the changes that we had as a company in 2020 a lot more efficiently, I think, than some managers. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, so during this time where you were a sales rep and a branch manager, you also graduated from University of Arizona in three years. How'd you graduate in three years? Again, just a lot of hard work. Like you said, Dan, I get a lot of stuff done and college was no different. I was still operating with that chip on my shoulder. Most semesters when I was in college, I was taking six or seven classes, which at University of Arizona was 21 credits or so. So I had to get Dean's approval for that many credits. I was also taking classes in the summer break and the winter break. I was taking, I took six credits, six units during my branch summer as well. Um, and I did that just because I wanted to finish school. I wanted to, to work my way through it. And in addition to that, I also got credits working with Cutco uh, as an internship. I got credits for my assistant manager work, for my branch work, and that also helped me graduate a full year early. Wow, that's pretty cool. There's a little bit of parallels to what I experienced in college, Kuvi, in that I went to a quarter system school, so it's a little different than U of A. So there's three terms per year. And I took two quarters off and went part-time twice. So if you count that as three terms, right? Two and two halves. Then I really only went to school for three full years, although it was over a four-year period. I did that to accommodate branching in the summer and some other stuff. But like you said, when I went, I went. like I took the full slate of classes that I could possibly take, even more than what most people were allowed to take. I was in the honor system at my school, which gave us the flexibility to go above the normal, allowable class load if we wanted to. And I did that a couple of times and it made a lot of difference. It's like, I learned that when you do something, you just focus on what you're doing, you can get a lot more done, right? Taking six classes versus five or five versus four isn't that big of a deal if you just stay focused on what you're doing and bring your energy to what you're doing at that time. And so that, that sort of helped me with getting things done. Does that resonate a little bit for you? It definitely does. And it helped a lot with me being so busy with school. It really forced me to work on my schedule as an 18, 19 year old using Google Calendar and mapping out when I was in class, when I was doing homework, when I was going to the office for AM office work and doing appointments and phone calls. 
and shows and fairs and doing the modeling and acting that I did part-time in, in Arizona, using a schedule really helped me then to what I do now. Even I, I'm on top of my schedule so much now. And it's because of that experience of being so busy in college as a student. Yeah, that's great. So what made you want to be a district manager when you graduated? Yeah, I, I, after branch, I had full intention to just sell and become the CSP. I knew I was going to Los Angeles to do modeling and acting, but I was going to be a CSP or be an FSM until Lloyd in the Southwest region invited me to the DMC weekend. I never turned off the opportunity, which I think might be another lesson. I never told Wes or Jared, hey, I do not want to be a DM. I just wasn't 100% for it. So I didn't close the door. Uh, Lloyd invited me to Horseshoe Bay for the DMC weekend. And it was on the the yacht that we had that night before we all left where David Roy and, and CJ Marshall, uh, David's been on this podcast before. They both convinced me to, to go DM. And it was a really great time just hanging out with them, getting to know them and, and their reasons why they were in management. What were some of the things that they talked about? They talked about the opportunity a lot. And I, I believe that was about the time where David's little brother, Matthew, was starting as well. So we talked a lot about the, the experience that he's had coaching and, and seeing Matt uh, really grow as an individual. And it was just a lot of fun hanging out on that yacht with those guys. The Southwest region knows how to, how to party and have some fun. So it was really great just seeing the camaraderie, the togetherness that they had, especially when it comes to work stuff, as we had those meetings and the speakers in the day and then the hanging out on the yacht in the, in the evening at the nighttime. Yeah, that's cool. So you decided district manager was what you wanted. You knew you were going to Southern California. And so you were introduced to J. Brad Britton. And that enabled you to connect with the Southland Division and to get the opportunity that you have uh, in the west side of LA. Yeah, it was in Olean, actually. I was with Jared. And Jared knew I was coming to LA. He connected me first with Kevin Donahue because he thought that KD was in charge of where I was moving to. And then Wes introduced me to Brad. So I feel I feel bad for Kevin because we kind of teased him. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. Uh, so, but yeah, so you're, to be clear, like we have a division in the Western region called the Los Angeles division, which actually is sort of like the Northern part of Los Angeles and extends way up the central coast of California. And then Brad... Britain runs the Southland division, which is all of Orange County and the Southern half of Los Angeles. And uh, you were in that Southern half. I guess if uh, anybody thought you were going to Hollywood, that would have been up in Kevin's division. Yep. Um, but you were going to be down near LAX, mm -hmm. right? Venice Beach, Santa Monica, Marina del Rey type of area, which uh, is in the Southland division. And so you ended up being able to connect with Brad in that way. And you've had some really great success uh, during your time as a district manager. Really right out of the gate, you did well the first uh, eight months and then really well the first full year. What have been some key factors in the success of your organization? Looking back on, on my time as a DM so far, there have been a few different areas that I've, I've really capitalized on when working with my people. And one big reason that I went DM was obviously impacting the people. But alongside that, it was the opportunity that I had to run a business and create time freedom and be able to, to focus on my individual whys while I'm leading other people to achieve their whys. So I think the biggest positive that I have as a district manager, the biggest thing that's helped us have a lot of success in West Los Angeles is my staff knows when they're working with representatives, our first 
reason and first interaction with the rep is to understand their why and why they want to work here, why they want to find success here and focusing on that. I came into working with Cutco for the income, for the experience, but not everybody else comes in for the income, for the experience. I have some assistant managers that aren't really focused on the income and going into school this year, they're not planning on doing a lot of demos, but they're going to be at all the management events because they, the, the income's there. They saved a lot this summer. They're planning on just focusing on learning how to be a really great assistant manager, do a lot of great schoolwork. So not forcing people to, to sell when that might not be their biggest reason why. Ben Cooper, after his first summer working in West LA as a rep, you know, $37,000 first summer, he didn't sell much during his first school year, but I kept him around, kept him coming to events, kept talking to him. We got him to Olean that year, but he was just focused on college, getting into a frat. And I was just being a friend to him that semester. And that next semester is when he really decided, hey, I want to try to sell this semester. So understanding their reasons why they're still working here has helped us tremendously. I think the next one is leading with with my end goal insight, the way that I want to run the business. That's how I teach my staff to operate even right now. Uh, it's, it's no secret. 2021 has been a completely different year than 2020. But even in this year, when we're doing different things with our business, I'm teaching my staff to run the business now, how we want it to be run in three to five years from now. So they're really leading with that vision in mind. And I think the third part, Dan, is the personal growth and development. At the start of 2020, I was really looking to better myself in every area of my life. I feel like 2019 was was great on paper, but I really didn't feel like I had a successful year. And in 2020 was when I started to really get into personal growth and development. And because of my journey in personal growth and development, I've been sharing that a lot with with my people, my assistant managers, taking what I learned from my coaches and, and giving that to my staff and key staff and either group coaching calls with my key staff or just individual PDI PCs that I have with them too. I think those are the three biggest, three biggest Mm. keys to our organization success. Mm. I love the whole idea of understanding your people's whys, their reasons and working with them on those reasons. I do think that as, as leaders, a part of what we do is we, we have to be good promoters and we have to help people to sort of develop whys as well right? We can't just let somebody, you know, neglect that we think they should be doing. So we have to sort of help them build those whys. But by and large, right, we have to be able to manage people to what it is that they want, right? And not necessarily what we want for them. And this applies beyond vector into parenting and other aspects of life as well. So there's a balance between promotion and sort of getting people to want certain things, but also making sure that we understand what are their motivations. You gave a great example, which is revolves around people coming into Vector for income, right? Not everybody cares that much about what they're earning at Vector. When I was a sales rep, I was in a position where my mom and dad paid for school. They paid for my expenses. We weren't rich, but we were certainly comfortable and I did not need to make a certain amount of income from Vector. As long as I was making like 50 or 100 bucks a week, you know, I could do the things I wanted to do and have fun and, you know, pay for the hobbies that I had. And so, just like you described with, you know, one of the people you were talking about, when I went to college, my main purpose was not personal sales during the school year. It was, I was still always at every meeting because I loved the learning. I participated in the, the equivalent of TLA back then because I wanted to advance. I wanted to get the experience of management. 
but I didn't necessarily sell a lot during the school years. And in, in my case, it was okay. I, I did well enough in the summers that I could do that. Now, had I not done well enough in the summers, I would have liked to have had a manager that painted the vision for me of why I needed to sell more. But because I did well enough in the summers, I was able to focus more on the learning aspect of Vector, the growth aspect of Vector and preparing for management than on personal sales during the school year. So that was one thing. Now, then on the other hand, you've got guys like Ben Cooper that are super driven to a high level, both for the income as well as all the other things that he gets out of, you know, really crushing it. And, uh, you know, having a guy like him in your organization, I'm sure has made a big difference as well, right? Definitely. And just to talk about that, I really hope that new managers don't listen to this and think, oh, wow, because it's the fall and they told me they're going to focus on school. This is an opportunity for me to not have to PDI them. I really hope they don't try to twist it so that I said that. But what that really means is for people like Ben Cooper, even though I did not talk to him a lot about personal sales during his first semester, his first quarter at UCLA, there was a lot of times where him and I would be grabbing dinner together. And I'll be talking about branch, talking about, Hey, let's get you ready for next semester. So how can we get you building some momentum now, which is where he started to write up, you know, a couple orders here, a couple orders, there's a couple orders there, but again, not the biggest reason why he was working with Cutco during that period of time there too. Yeah. You know, I love what you said about him being a freshman first year at school, I find with the reps that are first year in college that the opposite approach to driving personal sales sometimes actually creates some sales, which is to say, hey, man, it's your first quarter at college. Let's prioritize having fun. Let's prioritize getting into all sorts of activity. Let's prioritize meeting as many people as possible. Let's put that stuff in your schedule and see what, where that leaves us. It always leaves you with time. It always leaves them with time to be able to still do a little bit of work, but it sends them a message that you're more interested in them and their future well-being than just what you can get out of them in the short term. And I think that's a great management style that you took with Ben that has led him to become so great. Yeah, I think with Ben and you know, for other top representatives that we've had, one of the biggest keys for their individual success has been because of the personal growth and development that I've taken over the last and I've participated in over the last year and a half now. I've shown that to them and they've started to now look for coaching of their own. So Ben worked with you know Matt Foss, Ben worked with, uh, now he's working with Luke Mills, worked with Rob Brandt. He's been having these, these great experiences with high level representatives because he wants to get better and he wants to grow. And there's a a point where he's sold more than I have. So I don't feel like I am able to coach him effectively in, in sales. So I've, that's why I've been asking him and, and having him go seek other coaching. I'm always going to be there for him to help him with the logistics, help him with the mentality and the planning. But when it comes to a point where I need, I know that, Hey, let's get you a mentor when it comes to the sales part. I think about people that we have that are the pillars in our organization, like Joshua, who just had the biggest push uh, that he's ever had at $10,000 SC1 push, but him being able to learn how to effectively work with people. And through that delegation that we've, that I've preached always as a district manager, the I do, we do, you do, where he's not just throwing to learn stuff by himself, but he's really watching me do it, then I'm watching him do it. And we're doing it together as the I do, then we do, then you do. And I think with our newest of new assistant managers, uh, with Ryan going from one of the shyest people that I've ever met or had on the team to now becoming one of the most loved representatives that we have, somebody that is one of our most effective sales coaches and she's on track for, for branch 2022. That's all stemmed just from me growing as an individual and as a manager. So they're able to see, wow, what's that future? What's that vision look like for me? Awesome. I love hearing all that stuff, Gooby. That was great. 
as you look at your own abilities as a leader and what you bring to the table, I'm interested in just hearing your take on what you feel are the essential qualities for a great leader. Yeah, I think that the first thing is organization. There was a long period of time where as a DM, I was not the most organized. I was planning team events and staff events the morning of the meeting and 15 minutes before the meeting. So I think number one is organization, knowing what you're going to do and having a plan for executing. I think number two is determination, fighting and gripping and clawing and hitting the goals that you set for yourself, having that determination to achieve a high level because that's what you want to accomplish, that determination. I think number three is having great communication. And with the communication, there's just the effective communication, but I think there's also a deeper level to this I remember times then in last summer in 2020, we were having, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 our sales weeks. There was a day where I was just completely out of it. And I texted our staff group chat. I said, Hey guys, I'm not with it today. I need you guys to pick up the slack where I drop it. So being vulnerable when you're working with people, and it's not about dumping stuff off, but showing them, Hey, this is an opportunity for you to lead. I'm still going to be here, but I just know that I'm going to need you to help me pick up this slack because it's 100% on me as I recover as I rest and get better for tomorrow. I think number three, that's the communication. Number four is coachability. There's been a lot of times in the last couple of months where I find myself, well, I've already done this. I don't really need to learn this. And then I can't do that. And I tune into whatever I'm listening to, whether it's a Western region, right? Dan, one of our region messages where there's a manager who I've done this before. And then they, something, they say something, holy crap, I completely forgot about that. Right. So still being coachable is, is very key. And then the last one is having a, a done it attitude is the way that I put it. Ben didn't know my career sales. Ben Cooper didn't know my career sales. Didn't know my largest order, my largest week, <laughs> even until last year, he had a 30,000 dollar week. He's like, well, did I beat your biggest sales week? I was like, I don't know, man, did you? So having that done it attitude, <laughs> I think is also, also an essential quality for having a great leader for that promotion aspect of it. Yeah. I'm sure Ben is listening to this and, uh, Ben, just so you know, a 30K week probably beats Kuval's best week and my best week put together by a long shot. So good job, man. Good job. In fact, I think at this point, Ben has surpassed your career sales and my career sales, personal sales combined. So there you go. Nice job, Ben Cooper. Including uh, Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> Including Grinch. <laughs> uh, and great job, uh, Great job, Kuval, and developing that guy for sure. So that's awesome. Um, so these were some great, uh, great things you listed here, some of the qualities for a good leader. And I know these are all things that you have brought to your organization. And you've combined these with the sort of proactive recruiting that you learned your branch manager summer. And that is largely what has led you to having such a great, great success as a district manager. If somebody from outside the Western region asked me, you know, hey, what, what is it about Kuval? I would say that it starts with the, the fact that you've driven recruiting at a high level and you're always very proactive, that you get it done weekly, that you have a great system for making sure that the things that have to happen in your office happen every single week, whether you're doing them, which sometimes you roll up your sleeves and do it yourself, or whether it's your staff helping to drive the activities, all of that stuff happens. And then when you train people, right, you're training people with this understanding of their whys in really uh, helping to help them find their motivation. You bring a high level of personal growth and development to the table, which gets people to want to stick around and be retained. You have great leaders that set a good example for others on your team. You put that whole package together. And what happened in 2020 in the summer 
is one of the most remarkable things I've seen. You were the number one office in the Western region in recruiting, and you were also the number one office in the Western region in rep productivity among all of our district offices. You led both those categories, which is a double achievement that seldom, if ever, happens anywhere. And you really bring this full package of success to the table. It's a well-rounded system and program for success as a district manager. So beyond Vector, what are some of the other things that you are engaged in? Yeah, been very involved in real estate since just about a year ago when I really started learning more about that. It was part of the personal growth that I was going through and thinking about other opportunities and other things that I could be using, putting into my schedule, using my time for. And I found real estate been uh, very active in that. Have a just purchased a fourplex in Las Vegas and we're doing a burr on that. Two single family properties in Jackson. Anthony Hayes, district manager in Newport Beach and I have started some other ventures as well. We started wholesaling properties, which is just a fun adventure for us two to get into. Uh, wrote the book, uh, Zero to Cash Flow. It's been great. I had a lot of people calling and asking, hey, what did you do? How'd you do it? And instead of having these you know, 45-minute calls with people, I just decided to put it on paper. And I'm really, really excited about that. And obviously, the, the modeling and the acting, which is what I moved out to, uh, to Los Angeles to be able to do. Yeah. So how do you get all this stuff done? You're spending a significant amount of time learning about real estate investing and engaging in that a little bit. And then you have modeling and acting. You're running your vector team at a very high level. How do you get it all done? The number one thing is just time management. That's the obvious answer. I like to go to sleep early and I like to wake up very early as well. There are sometimes, and I think I mentioned this with the, the Young Guns podcast, where my days with working with people start very early just because that's when I get the most work done and I enjoy doing that. I'm not saying everybody has to do that, but there were some times last summer where I was you know, having daily calls with my top assistant manager at the time at 6, 6.15 in the morning, uh, just as a coaching call to get the day started properly. Time management has been key. But having the right people around me, right circles of, of influence have really been focused on getting people into my circle that I want to learn from, that I want to grow with, and that I want to teach. And the people that are just there and, and they're not really part of the circle that I'd like, I'd have just kind of straight away from, from those individuals, so having the right people around me. I heard a really great quote uh, just uh, on a podcast last week that I feel like has summed up a lot of my personality and my attitude and the reason I do a lot of the stuff that I do. And the quote was, the opposite of what I want doesn't exist in my reality. I could think about a ton of times where I've just been extremely persistent with getting something done and getting it done right and almost right away because what I don't want to happen, I just don't know what that is, doesn't exist for me. Back in the early part of 2020, Dan, there was a really scary incident that happened where I almost almost died in the end of last year, early part of this year. And that's really turned my mind around when it comes to, hey, we'll just do it tomorrow. And we'll just we'll get it done later in the week where it's, it has to happen right now. So having that just fire lit where, hey, I got to get this done now. I, I want to do this now. And I think the last part there is just, again, being vulnerable, having that open communication. I've called Brad so many times this summer, not even not, in, not to complain, not to moan, but just to, to be vulnerable with him about what's been going on and what's in my head. And, and Brad's really, he's told me, hey, I love it when you do this because it really just, it shows how whatever, it just shows how open you are and whatever he says about that. But I just think that that's been, been really great for me to be able to just voice that. So Brad knows really how to coach me as, as a DM. Yeah. I love that you have that open communication with Brad and with others. I think it's just such a powerful 
a trait to have in any relationship where you can bring stuff up and you can talk about it and you can discuss it and you can kind of work it out. And I think also like as a, as just as a human, we all need to be able to have someone like that in our life that we can have that communication with um, and talk to because everybody goes through things where you feel like you need support or you feel like you need help or you feel like you need a, another set of eyes on the challenge. And Brad is an amazing person to be able to have that, that type of experience with that type of relationship with that you have. So that's pretty cool to, to be able to see that. You described earlier that a big part of your success in your office is uh, leading with the end goal in sight, what you want things to look like in a few years. What do you feel like the future holds for you in your business and outside your, your business? Since I've found real estate, Dan, I've, I've found that as a really great way to be able to leverage my time with Vector, to be able to create time freedom for me to be able to go out and do the other things that I have in my mind and on paper and my notes that I want to accomplish. Growing up the way that I grew up, being around very intelligent people, but being in just a school system that was just frankly broken, I really want to create that time freedom for me to be able to go into communities of students that are like me. Dan, there are some students that I was in high school with and in middle school with that were told by educators, the people that get paid to teach them, they aren't going to go to college. They shouldn't go to college. It'd be a waste of their time. I want to be able to change those individuals and be able to go into those communities to be able to work with the students and be able to show them exactly how they can not have to deal with that and how they can work through this and how they can be the best you know, versions of themselves. That's really what's driving me. And me and my partner have come up with this name of Hive for this program that we'll be creating. And that's the goal is to be able to impact the students that are like me with the learning differences. So they are able to, to thrive and, and experience a lot of great success in their communities. Because I do know that it isn't 100% possible for everybody to go to a boarding school in upstate New York that I went to or something similar to that. So I want to be able to bring that same experience that I had to them. That sounds great. Being able to influence other kids with learning differences. And beyond that, in your vector role and outside of your vector role, any other ways that you aspire to change people's lives through what you do, Kaval? Yeah, I'm excited for the team that we're creating with, with Vector. It's almost like a mini division that I have in, in the West LA office, really being able to create these assistant managers to, to lead by example that then you know go out, deploy, and I, I ideally run very successful businesses for themselves and be able to create the, something similar to what I've been able to create. So I'm very excited for, for our Vector organization because we have the right people in place and creating the right people, right? We're being the sharpeners for them. And, you know, with real estate, uh, I've gotten involved with this most recent acquisition, this fourplex working with programs in Nevada to be able to provide housing for people that aren't necessarily looked at as having the best housing backgrounds. These, these, this fourplex I'm going to be renting out to people that are, are victims of, of abuse and victims of, of whatever else you could kind of imagine and people that have had rougher cards dealt with them in the past. And I'm excited to be able to you know, make it a really cool environment for them to be able to come in and live in. Excellent. Man, there's a, a, a lot ahead for you and you've already accomplished so much in your young life right now. How old are you, Kuvi? 23. 23 years old and you're already uh, three plus years into uh, a great district manager career. You're on a fast track to success with Cutco Vector. You've already got some rental properties under your belt, some great teammates that you're working with both in the vector world and in your real estate investing and your other 
things that you're doing. And you're having a really profound impact already at a young age. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's wonderful to see all the great success you're having. And I feel very grateful as well to have a front row seat for it and to have you a part of the Western region team. Do you feel like you have any uh, last words to share with the audience here as we wrap things up, Kuvi? Yeah, thanks, Dan. I think that the people that are listening to this are, are those high achievers. They're the people that can go out and create their own reality. It's just a matter of figuring out what that reality they want to create is and, and not stopping until they've achieved what they want to achieve because the opposite of what they want just doesn't exist in their reality. Yeah. Here, here. I love that. Great wrap up right there for sure. And uh, so much good value here during this conversation, Kuvi. So thanks very much for being part of the podcast today. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Kuval Patel, everyone. You can see why I love working with that guy. It's pretty amazing to think that somebody who was diagnosed with a learning disability or a set of learning disabilities could become one of the greatest students of anyone that I know, both academically and in the vector business. Kuvi has become one of the greatest students and just so successful and so great at learning, absorbing, innovating, evolving, developing. Love that he used that as fuel in his early stages of his life to drive him to success. I mean, the guy skipped eighth grade and then graduated from college in three years. It's really remarkable to think about coming from that place of people thinking that he was not able to learn in the same manner as others. I love the idea of manufacturing confidence in what we do. Think about how you might be able to apply that concept. Kuval wanted to become a district manager in order to create time freedom in his life. You get that by number one, working hard in the early stages of any career. And number two, developing an organization, developing others. And one of the ways that Kuval creates that is by having a culture of personal growth in his life and with his people. He also creates that great open communication with others where he's transparent and vulnerable with his team and also is able to have uh, really great conversations with his division manager, Jay Brad Britton. I thought that was powerful as well. If you want to get into some more of the nuts and bolts of how Kaval operates, episode number 217 with the Western Region Young Guns featured Kuval and three other great young district managers in the Western region talking about some specific nuts and bolts of the vector business. Kuval also guest hosted episode number 220, which features Ben Cooper. That is the rep in Kuval's office. That is the number one college student sales rep in the company right now. I'll leave you with a quote regarding the idea of creating your own reality, which Kuval shared toward the end of this conversation. And that is the opposite of what I want does not exist in my reality. Take that one home, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this today. Thanks. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. 
You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.